Taylor, did you mean to land us in a cave? I did. Is this because I haven't watched that Hellier documentary yet? No, but you do need to watch that. We're not after Kentucky Cave Goblins this time. Where's Lauren, by the way? Had to drop her off back home so she could adapt our adventure into an idiot's lantern sketch. Ah, cool. Hey, did you bring the celery? Yep, Uh, but I hate plain celery, so I chopped them up and added some peanut butter. Made them into snacks? Huh. I wonder if that'll affect how it detects the spectrox. Spec- Whoa, wait. Did you actually bring us to Adrazani to get the last piece? Safety precaution. I'm allergic to certain gases in the praxis range of the spectrum. How does the celery help? The gas is present, the celery turns purple. Was that the doctor and Barry? <laughs> yep, come on. Let's go get this episode. Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. And welcome to a brand new episode of Podcastica, a Doctor Who review podcast here on NOTLG.com. Episode 17, The Caves of Andrazani. My name is John, and joining me as he does every time we get sick at the beginning of an episode and die at the end is my good friend Taylor. Taylor, hello. Hello, John. How's it going? Oh, it is going all right. T-minus a couple of days until we move into our own place things are very busy things are happening so unfortunately lauren will not be joining us on our final mission here to collect all of the episodes that have gone missing um i do know that she did watch uh the first two episodes before things got too busy and i know she had some notes on her twitter which is at bancroft and um i will find them quickly but how are you i'm getting better i got kind of got a it wasn't quite a cold but it was more than allergies like i i never popped with a fever or anything um but i've been a little under the weather as the weather 100 degrees Mm. yes yeah but things have been busy i had a lovely birthday i um um yeah things are going all right Yes, happy, happy, we wished you happy early birthday, and now yes. happy past birthday. Sure. The, Why not? It's all tiny wimey, isn't it? It is, absolutely. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, so, before we get into the Caves of Adrazani, we have a whole bunch of Who News, including, did you, there we go, okay, never mind, it's at the end, we're there. It is. <laughs> Take it away. No problem. Um, so Christopher Eccleston has been doing more and more uh, conventions and uh, kind of opening up about his time on Doctor Who. Not only that, but he has a book out uh, now. I think it came out last week called uh, I Love the Bones of You. And it uh, it turns out, and you know, this is probably an important conversation to have, is that um, during his time filming Doctor Who, he was actually very ill with anorexia. Yeah, I... Uh very surprising right um um yeah he was um you know he he's got um i'm losing the right term for it in my pseudofed addled mind but it, you know body image Dysm- issues Dys- i think the right term dysmorphic um yeah and he you know never felt like he 
could really talk about it. I mean, he's even said, you know, he's a, he's a guy. I'm from the north. I'm from a working class family. It wasn't something that, you know, people talked about. Um, but he has, you know, kind of come uh, forward with that and and shared that part. And I'm, you know, I'm impressed by his honesty. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm reading through it. Um, he even he even thinks like he even thought he was going to die at, at, during yeah during the the filming of Doctor Who. So I mean, uh, looks like there's there's many things. Maybe that's why he doesn't like to revisit uh, that even more. That's another just little notch in the belt for that. Yeah, just one of those hard times to look back at. I get that. Yeah, um, just trying to leave that it's, behind. It's worth noting. Yeah, and it's worth noting. You know, if 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 anybody out there is having you know any sort of issues, whether it be depression or dysmorphia or um, you know anxiety or whatever, it there are people who listen. And 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 you know, I'll even say it just just for myself. If if you're on Twitter and you follow me or something, and you just need someone to talk to, you know, just say hey. Uh, I will. I just I need will second that. Me. I will yeah, second definitely. That. Yeah. So. Um, definitely talk. Yes. It's not easy, but definitely talk. Um, so, uh, moving on in, in as unawkwardly as a way as we can from a topic that heavy, um, I'm going to do a terrible job of it. So bear with me folks. Um, while we don't still have any sort of official doctor who presence at New York comic-con coming up, Titan will have some exclusive figures available at New York comic-con. Ooh, all right. Let's, uh, let's take a look at these. <clears throat> Oh, yep. adorable. couple cute little 13s there. Yes. And, of course, we will have links to all this stuff in the show notes, so by all means, Absolutely. go and check I it out. I think also at New York Comic Con, we're going to get a um, a Tim Shaw. Oh, you know, I think that's right. I feel like I saw that somewhere. Yeah, Tim Shaw in um, in a pop figurine form. Right, Should right. Should be very... Uh, it, it's very... <sighs> It's such an interesting character to go with. I know it wouldn't have been my first choice. No, absolutely not. Or third choice or fifth choice, but <laughs> I'm not the one choosing. So there you go. Very true. Well, hot on the heels of our recapture of the TV movie review, um, Real Time Pictures is doing a competition uh, for their interview DVD that covers the McGann years. The McGann year. Uh, no. <laughs> well, yes, but if they start going into uh, you know big finish stuff, maybe it's years. Yes. Um, so now, unfortunately, this is only open to readers in the United Kingdom. Mm. Um, but go and check it out. Um, you have until Sunday, the 29th of September, and that's coming up because as we record, it is currently the what 25th yes. of September. So if you haven't jumped on this yet and you are in the UK and want to uh, get this hot little item, uh, jump on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, presented by Sophie Aldred. Yeah. There you go, friend of the show. Definitely. Friend of the show. Most definitely. Um, so now the uh, there's, um, I think it's a VR headset called the Vive Cosmos. Um, there is a, uh, a, a new... Uh, experience you can have stepping into the TARDIS by using uh, this VR headset. It, I don't think it's it's one of the existing games. And there's our scheduled finishing of the dishwasher. So thank you, dishwasher. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's HTC's newly released VR headset. 
Um, and so, um, huh. yeah. I mean, we, uh, the only weekend, thing we Friday really... twenty six. Sorry, the, I'm saying the only thing we really... They show us is this picture. Yes. Yeah, we don't, we don't get much. But uh, if you happen to be um, <clears throat> in the UK this weekend and near Hackney's Protein Studios, I don't know why they're filming proteins, but we'll I work with that either. over in London. Uh, stop by and uh, check out the, the new VR headset and uh, take a tour of the TARDIS. Yeah, that's pretty cool. See, see how little space is in the console room. I would, <laughs> I would use a VR headset to tour the TARDIS room. I, I would like, I would like to check it out. I mean, it's, I, I've, I wore an early version, um, like when they first started coming out. A friend had one, right? Um, and it, it's, it's a little discombobulating at first, but, but I think you get the hang of it. We'll see. We will. Um, now. This next one, um, I'm I'm slapping spoilers on it um, because it ooh, looks. Are ooh. you are you, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so brilliant comedian Stephen Fry is going to star in the first episode of series twelve. Now we don't know what part he's going to play, but it uh, seems as though the first story is likely to be a spy drama. Oh my goodness! Uh, directed by Jamie Stone. Um, and I'm reading here, starring Dominique Mayer as Agent Browning, Darren Meyer as Cisse, okay, and Ronan Summers as Rendition Man. Oh my goodness. Not only that, but we have a full list of Series 12 directors yes. as of this moment. Yeah. Uh, and um, honestly, a lot of repetition. We got uh, kind of like last season. We got a lot of directors who are doing double or triple, or in one case here, quintuple. Yes, duty. quintuple duty. <clears throat> yeah, Jamie Stone directing five episodes. Uh, Lee Haven Jones doing two. Uh, Nita Manzur doing two, and Emma Sullivan doing one episode. Yeah, I wonder um, Taylor because it's uh, most of these episodes are back to back. A lot of them are. I wonder. Do if we're think, getting two-parters, do you think we're gonna the return of the two-parters? It, I, I wouldn't say no, um, but it may just be how they broke up the production blocks, mm-hmm. possibly. Of like, okay, so we've got these two stories first. You're gonna direct both of them. You guys go off and do your thing and come back. So maybe. I Who mean, knows? I'm also just I'm looking up these directors and. So far, I don't see any Doctor Who ties. I've only looked up two of them. Okay. But I don't... So, I mean, all... Oh, no, that's not true. Oh, wait. No, that's for this series. Um, oh. He direct... It, no, it has... He did one... Clara and the TARDIS. What is that? I don't know what that is. This is, ja- oh, this is Jamie Stone. That was... I think that was a, uh, a short. Oh, a short. Okay. That was released as part of the Series 7 box set. Oh, so um, Jamie Stone has some experience uncredited uh okay uh ninda man manzur doesn't have any uh doctor who okay. experience um it looks like lee haven jones i feel like i saw his name somewhere else he might have been an actor in doctor oh, yeah? who nope 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 so look at that it looks like all new people which is right. great i'm i like it and um and we and we have some um some female directors which is also great as well Absolutely. We, all, Absolutely. we need that. We get these dumb guys out of here. <laughs> get them out. Yes, yeah, says the two white guys who are in the middle class who have a podcast. 
Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> it's, that doesn't make it less true. No, that's true. Good point. Good point. Well, unsurprisingly, at all, last time we recorded, the very next day, the very next day, we had Gallifrey One's first block of guests released. As as it is, and it's funny you, you say that because, I mean, we're going to go through these guests right now, yep. but also um, tomorrow they're going to make another round of announcements so once again not, not only that not only that they they have built this like we know that this is coming and i'm like of course the day after we record thank you gallifrey one um but they are building this as a major announcement oh yeah of a guest that they have been working on for a year over a year has it been over it's did they say over said, a year it I thought said it says... over a year in the making okay okay over a year in the making yes so and I, do we do we want to speculate? I think it's I think it's Bill Potts. I well that's true. They have been working on that for over a year, but that was like they announced it, she canceled. They announced it the next year, she had to cancel. Which technically that would be. Um, I, I've seen a few people guess Capaldi. So here's the thing. Um, Which I'll, would be great. Yeah, I, I'll just put the, I'll just put this out here right now. Like there, the reason we've never seen a current like doctor at um at Gallifrey is because they're all they have exclusive contracts to that other like bigger traveling one. You mean the the BBC itself? N- no, no, no. Like oh, oh. they're 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 signed to like when they make appearances it's I can't remember what it's called. It's the big touring one. So whoever puts on all of the other conventions that go around to different places uh-huh. That's the one they they have exclusive rights to. So that's why we've oh. we've never seen a current doctor. If you've noticed, all the companions, well, most of the companions from the current series show up every now and again, but none of the current right. doctors because they're all they're all signed to whatever is that is. Oh well, fair point. Then I then I guess my guess is just completely out the window now. Well, I think your guess might be completely out of the window as well. I mean, if you want to say it, go for it. Oh, I I was like I was thinking of when Jody was announced as the next Doctor, and I was like, well, boy, you'd start working on that right away, wouldn't you? Very true. So that's been more than a year. That is very true, and that would be the the gets of all gets. It would. I don't think there'd be anything better than that. Um, Definitely. But I don't know. I don't think that will be happening. I mean, it, it, it it's kind of a clue, I feel. Yes. As in, a, they have been working on it for over... Did Alex Kingston ever come? I can never remember. You know, I just heard them talking about it on um, Gallifrey Public Radio today. And uh, no, I don't believe she has. She was scheduled to, <clears throat> and she also had a scheduling conflict. So that could also be okay. a good guess. Um, yeah, I don't think she's actually ever ever shown maybe, up. So maybe it's Eccleston. If it was Eccleston, that would be fantastic. It, that would be well, so indeed, great. that would be so great. Um, but yeah, that's you know we'll see tomorrow. I don't know if it's. It, it almost sounds like it's just going to be one person they're announcing tomorrow. It. We'll that's find how out. big it sounds. Like yeah. So we yeah. will we will see. Also, I mean, before we get into these guests, um, new discounted rooms for. Um, for the LAX Marriott, right, are available uh, this Friday. So if you didn't get a room, check it out. I also just reminded myself in this that I need to. Did you fill out their questionnaire? 
Uh, no, I haven't yet. We have to do that. Um, okay. Because I really would like to do maybe more than one panel this year, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not. I, I've done it, and I had a great time doing it. Part of me is just like, um, I don't know that I feel compelled. Yeah, I hear you. To do one this year. Um, again, white middle class guy. Do we need more of my opinion it's, on there? It's funny because uh, I was uh, I didn't I did not mention that I spent um, my Sunday with friend of the show uh, Mike Sokol at um, the Battle for Los Angeles uh, final stage. Yeah. Um, so we sat next to each other. It was a lot of fun. Um, and he we were talking about the the program you know panelist form. And he actually put in there, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I don't think he he would. Um, he said, "I only want to talk about Torchwood, and don't put me on any other panels because I'm a white dude, and we don't need any more of that." Nice. It was something to that effect. I might right. have gotten it a little wrong, but paraphrased, paraphrased, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, you know what? You're right. That's hilarious." You. All right. Um, anyway, let's get to these guests, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, and very fitting for this episode because we're going to have Peter Davison. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. I've heard of him, too. This this will be my first time seeing him, so I'm very excited about that. Janet Fielding, who played Tegan. Yeah. We're going to have Sarah, Sarah Sutton, who played Nyssa. Mm-hmm. Mark Strickson, who played Turlow. Yes. So far, it's an all-fifth Doctor extravaganza. Yeah. Uh, uh con regular and and guy who yelled at me nicely in a in a elevator once <laughs> Fraser Hines. Yes. Um we are also having um series 11 writers Joy Wilkinson and Vinay Patel. Yes, that is very cool. I'm very yes. interested to see what uh what they bring to the to the table here. That's going to be great. Um also uh costume designer Ray Holman. Yes. Which would be very cool. Yes. Um Let's see. Illustrator and storyboard artist Michael Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Michael Bryant, uh, who was a classic Who director. Yeah. Have we covered... Oh, no. Have we never covered any of his... Well, we did Sea Devils. Oh, we did do Sea Devils. And didn't we yep. do the Robots of Death? No. Let me look it up. Nope. We've never done no. that. Oh, wait. Did we do Revenge of the Cybermen? It's been so many episodes, I don't I even know. know anymore. I know. I don't even know anymore. Oh, well. Well, let's see. We've got uh, Emma Reeves, who mm. looks as though she has uh, written for Big Finish. Excellent. Una McCormick, uh, who's done some Doctor Who novels. Mm-hmm. Um, some guy named Gary Russell. Who? <laughs> I say that teasingly. He's yes. very well known in the Doctor yes. Who world. Um, uh, Jody Hauser. Yes. Uh, who's done some of the comic works. Uh, Scott Gray, who's done some writing for uh, Doctor Who magazine's uh, comic strips. Uh, Mark Corden, uh, who is a second assistant director on both the forthcoming Series 12. And the 2020 special. 20 special, yes. That, now, see, this is very interesting because we could actually be in a... We could be at the con while Doctor Who is airing. It's possible. It is a possibility because they say early 2020, but no one has told us what early 2020 is exactly. Yeah. So that that could be very interesting. Maybe a a, long, a, a watch along, a live watch along with Mark Corden on one of the episodes he worked on. That would be awesome. 
and then a Q&A after. That would be amazing. I would, I would love that. That'd be so cool. Um, let's see. There's also James de Havilland, who, mm-hmm. uh, oddly enough, was another second assistant director um, from Planet of the Dead up through the Doctor Falls. Yes. And was a production manager on several episodes of Series 11. Uh, friend of the show, Paul Cornell. Yes, friend of the show, Paul Cornell. Always great to have him. Uh, regular hailer of hydration, Tony Lee. Now, here's the thing that I, uh, I'm i interested in, because I believe, I remember reading on Twitter, that Tony Lee said last year was his last his last year at Gallifrey. Never say never. And now now he's back. I Like, listen, I want Tony Lee to be at every convention ever because he's the best. He is pretty amazing, let's but, be honest. Um, I, I just thought that was interesting that his name popped up and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> you just can't stay away. No, good. No, no. We've also got Richard Dinnick, yes. Christopher Jones, um, Jason Hay Ellery, um, who's the managing director of Big Finish. Um, and then um, David Howe and Sam Stone, who are also um, both uh, celebrated Doctor Who historians and uh, as well as the editor of TELUS Publishing. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is a good first round of guests. and It definitely is. As we said, it's just the first round. That's right. So very cool. what we will get tomorrow. Yeah, who knows? Uh, it should be absolutely insane i'm i'm ready i'm ready to be surprised tomorrow yep yep and uh we will be sure to retweet that out on our podcast feed yes uh as soon as that drops and we will be we will both be at gallifrey mind you live if you want to wake up early and talk to us about your day at gallifrey one uh you can meet us um in the the lobby Yep, I join will. us for a toffee nut latte. I was good. <laughs> he took my line. I was like, we'll be right by uh, the Starbucks, and we will yep. have the toffee nut lattes will be a-flowing. Oh, they will, oh, because that's sometimes the only way I get through Gallifrey 1 is lots of Starbucks. The most wonderful time of the year for Taylor is when toffee, for me, nut, that's my toffee nut lattes. Drink. Did I ever tell you, and this just seems to be like, um, what is it? Um, not talk about Doctor Who cast, but... Uh, the first time I ever had a toffee nut latte, this actually works for both of us uh, because I was at Barnes and Noble. Nice. I was at the counter, register one, you know, oh, you I know, know the place. I do. And I was, this woman approached the, you know, where my register and she kind of tripped just a bit and she had coffee in her hand. Oh no. And it, it landed upside down on the counter and got all over me. Oh, God. And she was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. And I was like, what is that? It smells really good. And it was. she's like, it's a toffee nut latte. I'm like, oh, nice. And then I went and got one on my break. Oh, jeez. So there you go. Toffee nut latte forever. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. All right. Well, Taylor, let's talk about The Caves of Adrazani, starring Peter Davidson as the Doctor. Nicola Bryan as Perry. Uh... Martin Cochran as Shalek and mm-hmm. Christopher Gable as Sharez Jack. Yes. Goodness gracious. Sharez Jack. What in the world kind of name is that? I don't know. But Robert Holmes wrote it and he said, let's go with it. And Graham Harper said, yeah, I'm going to direct this stuff. And it first aired March 8th. And wait, it only aired two days? Yep. Oh, March 8th and 16th. 
1984, and it is the sixth story of season 21. That's pretty interesting. Are there story notes about that? I haven't gone through it yet. Uh, no, there's not, actually. Um, but this is according to Tardis Wikia, and so my only assumption is that they were running two episodes a night. That's so crazy. I know. And now one of my notes is moot because of it. But anyway, we'll talk about that note anyway. But Taylor, we got some story notes from the fine folks indeed. of TARDIS Wikia. So let's let's go. We do definitely. Now, you may recognize Graham Harper's name as a director from Modern Who, but this is his first credited director role. He's done both classic oh, and new. And he is a fine director. <laughs> yes. In fact, I've I've probably got more directing notes on this story than I have in any in quite some time. I, I think I do as well. Yeah. And we will get to that. Yeah. Now, Robert Holmes obviously has written <clears throat> a lot for classic Who, but this is his first regeneration story. Yeah, I was reading that on TARDIS Wikia, and um, there's some other notes about the re- regeneration as well, but we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. We will, definitely. Um, despite the title, uh, the Doctor notes that these caves are, in fact, blowholes. I, I guess the blowholes of Adrizani... Just doesn't sound as good. Doesn't sound great, especially nope. as your doc, one of your Doctor's last stories. Yeah, right? Yeah. I know. Um, so the maps of the caves shown on screen bear, and I have to admit, a very uncanny resemblance to the video game Dig Dug. Uh, confirmed favorite game of all time for me. Really? I oh, love. I, know you... I love Dig Dug. Taylor, another story that has nothing to do with anything. Um, when uh, at our new our new place a mile away, there is a place called uh, Player One, and they had a Dig Dug machine, and I got a little emotional when I saw it. Aww. I love Dig Dug. <laughs> Dig Dug. Dig Dug is a great game. Yes. Absolutely a, a lot great of game. fun. Um, and the story had the working title of what I think might have also been another 80s video game, Chain Reaction. That's actually not a bad title. No, it's not. I think that might be better than Caves of Adrizani. <laughs> That's a great name. Wow. Right? It makes a lot of sense. It does. Man, they should have went with that. All right. It bring does. It. That's okay. That's fine, yeah. Uh, well, the only characters who do not die during the story, barring that one guy who regenerates, are Perry and Timon, who are also the only female characters. Oh, yeah. Other than that, literally every male character dies. Well, good. <laughs> well, Most good, of yeah, them right? very much deserve to die. Uh, yeah, there is I, Actually, definitely... I think all of them deserve to die. Anyway. Nice. Anyway. No, there, there is... Going on. Um, yeah, there's there's a very Shakespearean tragedy element to this story that we will we will get into. Now, granted, you don't necessarily see every single android die, but then you can debate whether an android is really alive. But for the sake of argument, let's just say every male character dies. Yes, yes. Um, now, this story is also notably one of few where the eventual outcome negates the importance of the plot. See, the Doctor's role provided no historical accomplishments and instead caused an inadvertent massacre, a giant power collapse, and even his own quote-unquote death, all of which could have prevented had the Doctor never been involved or even went to Androzani Minor in the first place. Huh. <laughs> is that, was that in TARDIS Wikia? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was like, oh, is it, are we getting to your notes early? <laughs> no, 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 no. This, wow. this is in TARDIS Wikia. Goodness. Yep. Wow. Um there is there is another note, but I'll save that in a, for a minute here before 
uh, we start talking about it. But uh, we have a world-famous synopsis. Taylor, take it away. Indeed. The Doctor and Perry land on Androzani Minor and quickly find themselves in the middle of a war between the mercenaries of a downright Shakespearean leader from Androzani Major and a BDSM-inspired cast-off from a low-budget production of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. All while stumbling into some spectrox. The race to save themselves while the caves and quarry around them crumble is on. And for once, Rose, just once, nearly everyone dies. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Uh, there, there's one TARDIS wiki note that I think I randomly found. But okay. did, did you know who was offered the role of Sherez Jack but had to turn it down because of a tour? You know, for whatever reason, I missed that when I was throwing the notes together and I saw it in your notes and I went, wait, what, really? Yes, and uh, this is why I wish we had our old episode because I feel like we talked about this at great length. I think um, we may have. David Bowie was supposed to play Shara's Jack. Can you imagine? That would that would have been amazing. Like, let's not take anything away from uh, the man who played Shara's Jack. Um, Christopher Gable. Let us not take anything away from him. I thought he did a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. in an alternate universe, could you imagine? And I bet, like, man, he, the only reason he didn't take it is because it conflicted with a tour. Yeah. Which is just crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Oh, wait, no, we're now, playing. When did Labyrinth come out? Amsterdam. Um, Labyrinth, I want to say, was more like 83 or 84. I think so. I think you're right. Um, <clears throat> man, uh, I mean, uh, 86, actually. Oh, 86. Sorry. So 86. this would have been before. Yes. And I want, I wonder, had he had done anything before that acting wise? He had. Uh, I, I mean, besides Manu, being Manu, himself. Manu fell to Earth. <laughs> yes. The man who fell to Earth. Yes. He had done the man. Oh, he had done a bunch of stuff. And like. Wasn't there a Ziggy Stardust movie? Yes. Okay. So he had done, he had done a decent amount before, um, before <sighs> this came along. But that would have been a huge get for them. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. But he would to, have been wearing have the mask. David Bowie very officially part of the the universe. Yes. Instead of just being a rumored Time Lord. Right. Um. But yeah. Uh. That that's the first note that I that stuck out to me. Um. This is um. This is quite the story. Yes. Um, we got a lot going on here. And I mean, that last note, is I didn't even really think about it until you read it to where um, the doctor just, he, it, everything, the massacre happens because he's like, well, I got to save my companion. Yeah. Um, now, I have a question here that I was, I was going to save till a little later, but let's just get it right out of the way here. Is this the greatest length? A doctor has gone to save a companion besides oh. possibly Capaldi. Well, yeah. I mean, beating up a wall for however long that was, a billion years or something. Yeah, that might be the, that might be. But also, like, I don't think anyone died but himself in that. True. <laughs> Everyone would die in this. There's, yeah, there's something of a trade-off yeah. here. He's He's got a lower body count, but, um... I, I will I will say while we do get um, Capaldi's lengths uh, kind of shortened a little bit because that would be a really long episode otherwise. Yes. Um, I I would almost argue yes. I think I think this might be the longest lengths that 
a doctor goes to to save a companion. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why this episode is so favored. Oh, yeah. Among fans, especially of classic who, um, because this really is very much what the doctor is about, you know, that that kind of uh, heroism in this sense and sacrificing himself uh, for his companion. Um, But yes, I mean, he literally spends the whole story. I mean, one of the very first things they do is stumble into the spectrum. <laughs> yes, it's it's basically the very first thing. And it's I think it's maybe maybe an episode bef- like either later in the first episode or beginning of the second where somebody goes, "Oh, wait a second. Did you touch one of them sticky webs?" Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're screwed. You die. Uh, sorry, dude. Um so yeah, we maybe it's not the entire story, maybe it's three episodes, but still. Um yeah, this I think might be the one where a doctor has gone to the most lengths and we get to see all of it. Oh yeah. We get, we get to see it all. Um, in excruciating detail at times. Yes. Um, well, man. Oh, the evil laugh. Um, that like we start off the story. Basically a man is immediately eaten by a giant bat. Um, yes, but it's just like, it's, I think that might be the only like quick, random cut in the entire story um because i mean the directing which we will get to in a minute here was fantastic oh Um, yeah totally but that part was really random where these dudes are just firing their guns randomly into Uh, the air there is so much gunfire oh yes in this story and and if you're sitting there um watching it with headphones on Oh my god. You know, it's it, and and for whatever reason I think it may just be the acoustics of the set. Yes. Um it, it they're just they seem louder than anything else in the story. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, yes. Um <sighs> which I mean, I guess, you know, they kind of wanted to go practical with the usually we just have the guns that shoot shoot the laser beams. Um, right, yes, they draw them in later laser beams. I think it added a little bit to the story, especially when the doctor is running from those two guys in uh, our favorite rock quarry. Oh yeah, and and, and, like, and a lot of those practical effects with the explosions and everything, um, you know, really kind of amped that up. And in fact, I think one of the notes in Tardis Wiki that I didn't bother throwing in was that there was um, there was a charge in the sand that um, went off like a little too early. And uh, actually threw sand into Peter Davison's eye. Oh, no. And he, yeah, when he kind of tumbles down and he's laying on his back and the two mercenaries are up at the top of the hill. Yes. Yeah. Um, And there's this charge that goes off. And if you go back and you watch it, you can see him. He has just a really strong flinch as he throws himself over and his eyes are just screwed shut. Oh, man. Because it went off early and threw sand into his eye. Yikes. Yeah, so was that, there were a couple of injuries in this episode. That was him tumbling down the hill, like for real. Um, I'm not sure that that was. I'm not sure that that was necessarily him, as opposed to a stunt guy. Right, right. But you get to the bottom and you've got close-ups because there's a little bit of dialogue. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously it's it's definitely Peter in that. Yes. Uh, in that position in that scene because it's a close-up when he throws himself over. So there's you can't do a, yeah. a stunt man in that in that scene. Um, so I have a note here that I believe this is at the end of episode, uh, episode one, part one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I go, this is a pretty good cliffhanger if you think about it. But now that I know that, (laughs) 
that they just aired back to back. I'm like, ah, oh, that ah oh, shucks, that kind of sucks. Well, um, honestly, I I mean, I don't know that they just literally rolled one episode in the next. I mean, you probably got the cliffhanger, and then the next episode started. I mean, okay, yeah, you didn't have to wait a week, but you had to go. Oh man, yeah. But I mean, just like it's, I I think sometimes we forget because we're usually watching these back to back in yeah. in less than a week. We think we forget that sometimes these cliffhangers are crazy, especially when this oh, yeah. cliffhanger and is just them getting gunned down. Yeah, dressed up in in big red hoodies like they're you know backup dancers for the KLF. Yes, yes. Um, but I honestly, I honestly think I mean if we want to talk cliffhangers, the end of episode three where Peter Davison's going to crash the ship. Oh yes, into uh, into the planet there. Yes. Uh, that might be one of the best cliffhangers. That's a great cliffhanger. That's very good. I w- I would not disagree with that. Um, yeah, good cliffhangers in the in these episodes. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, despite even finding out that they may have aired on or they aired on the same day, both those cliffhangers as the next episode. Yeah, I you know I feel like I want to double check that information. Something about that doesn't feel quite right, but um, we will run with it for now. Oh, you know what? It says 8 through the 16th. Through? It says through. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, but then th- Isn't it doesn't that make only sense a week? because... Yeah, that's only a that's, week. That's literally... That's eight days. Yeah, never mind. Were they airing them twice a week at that point or something? I have I have no idea, and we may we may never know. Or somebody we know, say, I don't know, a friend of the show, Mike Solko, might just chime in and let us know. I, w- I will say uh, that the Friday, the 16th, uh, it was it was a Friday, is what I was trying to say, in 1984. Okay. It was a Friday. That's all I know. Fair. So the do- so <laughs> the Fifth Doctor's life ended on a Friday, if you were wondering. You know, if you yeah. happen to be wondering. Uh, let's see here. Um, I really thought, I, I don't have a lot of notes uh, in, the, in the story and structure that make any sense. Um, <laughs> I just really thought uh, I got a lot of different uh, different notes here about milk. So yeah. basically, we need to get this milk, and it's like this is the biggest thing we need to do to save possibly the doctor, but also Perry. And it just seemed yes, it seemed. And I, when I say it seemed real easy to get the milk in in part four, I mean the act of getting the milk, not like you know he had to travel through this this gas and infested tunnel and he was already dying and he's already hurt like i that part it, it, very hard very hard but mm-hmm. like th- there wasn't like the bat was just sleeping and he just was like hey i'm going to get some of that milk and then he just left yeah you know i expected I, some sort of um confrontation some sort of confrontation yes thank yeah. you yeah i i honestly i i almost feel like with absolutely everything else going on in this story because there's a lot oh yes there's so much that it's like oh yeah he's actually gotta get this you know free range organic uh farm fresh queen bat milk yes absolutely um sorry i'm just picturing androzani hipsters now anyway um (laughs) sorry you know grow your bat milk locally people yes absolutely Uh, you you get to the scene and it's like well I guess we have to make it quick because, well, people are dying. Yes. We kind of have to rush. Um, we're almost at the end of episode four. So squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Let's run. Yeah, we have. I mean, and that's just like the bare minimum about this episode. We have uh, the general and we have uh, 
shares Jack, and they are both yep. on opposite sides of of a problem. I believe they were once friends until um, those good old that good old what do they call it? A mud was it a mud blast? Yeah, mud blast, which sounds like uh, some sort of Kahlua um, drink. Yeah, well, it's, it definitely sounds better than the something that would happen at Monster Jam that I was thinking of. Oh wow. <clears throat> Monster Jam Mud Blast. That's right. Um, So they're on kind of they're kind of they were friends until the Mud Blast happened, and Shara's Jack was hideously deformed, and now he loves robots. And then um, you know we've got we've also got the the Rebel group that seems to be just wherever they want to go. Yeah, our our mercenaries and their uh, uh, working class accents and yes toughness. And there's bats. There's armadillo bats. There's, that's um, right. Which uh, it's just it's just nuts. I don't want to talk the, about the regeneration yet. Oh, I I shouldn't think that we we should. We have so many other things to talk about. It's just in my you know it's in my story and structure notes. So let's just. Um, I didn't have a lot of. Well, Taylor, did you have any other story or structure notes that I have not? Um, you know, not not particularly i mean i do i do honestly have one more um regeneration related note but like you i will save it there we go excellent um yeah so the music in this i i noticed it throughout i didn't have any crazy notes about it i thought it was fine it was it was there but for me the final i want to say five minutes maybe more of the tolling of the bell in the final musical interlude was oh, uh, mm-hmm. great stuff i noticed that immediately and it was it was very cool it really added to the doctor as as what uh, you know as little as i said it took for him to actually retrieve the milk it added a lot to that scene mm-hmm. to where it was like oh man this is this is it for him for sure he's already dying now he's in a cave of death gas with mud blasts and it's just going to be real bad for him real soon. Um, and then per- Perry is also dying, and she's with a very creepy man. Um, oh, yeah. But, we, 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 will... we will talk about that and creepiness and consent in a minute. <laughs> yes, we will definitely get to that. But uh, I really enjoyed that musical bit at the end there. I thought that was really stood out to me. Yeah, agreed. I, most of the rest of the music was kind of just typical period doctor who fair i think there were a couple other like tense moments where somebody had one of those shakers you know just kind of a little little uh rattling tension uh into a scene that i thought was a nice touch but yeah i mean i don't really have a lot of notes for the music fair enough fair enough and now let's get to the let's get to the look and feel we got to talk about this directing this i loved i loved the directing in this it really just stood out uh, yeah. to me throughout for me at in the first episode with i think within mere minutes of starting the episode we have uh what i will call a tracking shot and i'm sure that's not what it is but that's what we'll call it it's just w- one long shot of perry and the doctor talking in the rock quarry and i uh man i really 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 love that um there's a lot of cool stuff going on with Oh, I want to say it wasn't Morgus. It was it was it was Shalek. Um, okay. There's a lot of cool like, you know, you remember the movie The Shadow where they put you know his eyes were lit up, but the rest of him was. Oh his, yes, yes, yes. They did a lot of that lighting with him and some other 
shady characters. Morgus got that a lot. I really enjoyed that. Um, I also really enjoyed um, Morgus talking on the video screen, and they did they did kind of like the the Star Wars kind of thing where we were from we were it was an angle from behind a shot from behind the video screen. Oh yeah, I remember that one. I thought that was really cool. There's just mm-hmm. so much cool stuff going on here, um, directing wise. And in part three, when the doctor is in that hallway when his legs give out after they've gone completely numb, mm-hmm. that whole look of that shot was was really cool. The darkness with the the light in the middle, just really good stuff going on here. Yeah, there's definitely a reason Graham Harper, you know, got the call up to come back and direct for for Modern Who. I mean, um, there's just some very um, I don't want to imply that that other directors weren't, you know, good, but there are some very mature cinematic type choices. I mean, there are some great like over the shoulder point of view shots. Yeah. Um, lots of close ups with dramatic statements. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, especially the the guys up on uh, Androsani Major. <clears throat> yeah, and um, also, I wonder how many times he said, we need to get this slap take, we need to get it right, when I believe Shara's Jack slaps the doctor in the face. He hits, yeah, him, right. real, he hits him real hard. I was yeah. like, oh! So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's not insult. We're not trying to say all of the other directors in Classic Who didn't feel as you know as tight as as this directing did it's just you could tell there's something special about about graham and he did he did a great job yeah he definitely did um one of the things that i thought was a very interesting choice was in the in the very first episode we get this kind of like almost slow motion montage of shara's jack just flipping switches yes and i'm like i feel like this really isn't needed but i'm kind of fixated by it yeah, that was really interesting. It was. Um, it, it and was. it kind of set up the character as, you know, somebody hi- hiding in the shadows. Oh, yeah. There's, like I said, I mean, this this story has got Shakespearean overtones. This has got Phantom of the Opera overtones. Oh, yes. Um, and it's also got, um, oh, my, I'm trying to remember which episode it was, but there was this... Uh, uh, droid eye zoom like it was this really like rapid like jump cut but it's like every time you cut back to the droid you're like closer to it and closer to it and closer to yes. it yes and i'm just like ah this is kind of freaking me out because these <laughs> droids are just you know they're they're single eye kind of weirdness yeah very oh yeah we'll do i mean we'll get to that as well we'll get to that now okay suck some costumes huh oh boy let's yeah, let's talk about some of these costumes. Uh, whatever this president is wearing is just amazing. Yes, the lovely quilted uh, outfits of the residents of Androzani Major. Yes, a um, lot of lot of crazy stuff going on. Poofy and there. quilted, and I imagine if you fell down, it wouldn't hurt all that much. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> think so at all. Um, yeah, the very interesting color usage. Um, all of the the soldiers had. Um, some pretty interesting, uh, what's his, um, Salatine. He had a very interesting, uh, jacket as well. Yeah. You know, those guys, I'm, you know, I, the more I looked at them, I'm like, are they just wearing like, like slightly puffy snowsuits? Yeah. But it kind of looked like that. It totally looked like it. I mean, it worked. It worked for sure. Um, yeah, we got to talk about Shara's Jack here. 
Oh, this, boy. This dude is just living it up. He is living like the Gimp meets Harlequin meets Phantom of the Opera meets something else. Yeah, he is... Um, I mean, the mask design is fantastic. I really like it. Um, just a, a, a leather nightmare. If there it ever, is definitely that. If there ever was one. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but his, his fake eye in the mask... That you get a profile shot. I want to say it's episode two, but I could be wrong. Um, you get a profile shot of that, and it has got some really massive eyelashes. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, my yeah. gosh. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It does. I'm just like, oh, that's you are just, you're going fabulous, aren't you? Yeah. Um, with those eyelashes, it was crazy. I'm looking head on here at him as well, and also with him without the mask, which is just something else. Like, I know he had some serious freakouts, and other people had some serious freakouts seeing his face, but when they finally show it, I'm like, that's not that bad. <laughs> like, I'm not creeped out by it, at least. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just a very cool, very cool get-up. He also had, like, what is this this thing that's, like, coming down the front? It almost looks like some weird, it's not like a neck neck brace. I'm not sure. Well, I don't honestly. know what it is. It's but... just part of, you know, maybe Did the you... mud blast injured him so that, you know, like some people got to have to wear like a back brace. Yes. <laughs> this is like a front brace. I guess. Did you know, <laughs> um, I don't know if this is only in, if this is only in New Zealand. Oh, that says New Sealed. Oh boy. Guys, it's been a long, long week. Uh, did you know <laughs> there's a, there's a Shara's Jack and Perry combo pack of action figures? Oh no! Is there really? Yeah, and that just seems that seems not good. That yeah, that that's not the kind of play acting I want to do with my action figures. Is recreating their interactions in this episode? Oh, absolutely. Well, no, no, thank you. Uh, we were talking about the android guards earlier. Yeah, um, yeah I yeah. really like the look of them. You know, all black with the the head that just has like the single um, eye stalk in the middle. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very cool looking, very frightening as well. Yeah. Kind of, um, man, I, I just, I, I keep getting reminded of the video game portal. Oh yeah. Just this smooth, you know, single white head, single eye kind of thing. Just that, the kind of sleek ish design. Right. Right. Um, John, I got a question for you though. Yes. Um, are our mercenaries in this story? Why do they have Jiffy Pop belt buckles? Uh, I I do not know because they really look like like little small Jiffy Pops. Yes. I don't know if like that's like a you know you're on the go, you need an MRE of popcorn. Yes, just heat up your belt buckle. I mean, I I have no <clears throat> idea, but it's it's uh it's it's a weird choice for sure. But otherwise, I mean, as far as mercenaries go. They look pretty good. I, I yeah. thought they looked pretty good. Um, it, and it, it would be something, again, It's I always like finding stuff that people could easily cosplay. If somebody wanted to come up with, you know, a group of, uh, a couple of buddies and be like, look, let's be the, let's be the mercenaries. Oh, in you case Vander's on it, you could totally pull that off. Yeah, somebody could. That'd be, be super easy. Stotsy for sure. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Yeah, it's, it seems like a pretty, pretty easy uh, costume. You just get um, a bunch of um what would maybe red bull cans and spray paint them uh spray paint them silver and you're halfway there yep and just attach them to your bandoliers <laughs> and i i mean once again i just really love um i love the president's get up i'm looking at it right now yeah and it's just 
that's some good stuff. That's some. Good there stuff. is between that and now their hairdos didn't get all that crazy. Like there's a one guy who had like the really slick back hair and like the Morgus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Morgus. There's, there's. I feel like there's just a hint of like maybe somebody who worked on the Hunger Games was inspired. I mean, maybe by I Caves of Androzani. I could see that. You know, and then just like you know what, but we need to take this up like six notches. Yeah, I could see that. I could, could be. Absolutely see that. Um, we need to talk about this giant bat armadillo thing. Oh yeah, very impervious to bullets, I must say. <laughs> yes, um, almost seemingly comes out of nowhere. It looks pretty cool, I thought. Um, at least in clo- in close ups. I think everything else is kind of like, well, what is, what's happening here? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was uh, it, it was cool looking. And then the other bats were just kind of they were all right. <laughs> but the arm giant armadillo bat is uh is the best is and any any episode any story where we get you know just a big monster suit that doesn't move quite as much as maybe they would have liked it to yeah it's always entertaining absolutely um for visual effects oh let's talk about the very beginning of episode one shall we yes can i because androzani minor right at first looks a lot like utah (laughs) <laughs> for just the first few frames and then we get this composite shot after the TARDIS lands. Yes. And oh the foreground is shaking a little bit and the background is not. <laughs> and oh, we get man. this almost digitally overlaid fog. Like I don't think that fog was actually there. Yeah, it's very strange. Very very strange. There's if if that look and feel of the very first like three minutes of caves of androsani had like permeated the entire story i don't think this would be quite such a favorite because it felt it felt a little floppy yeah it did and then and then it just picked right back up oh yeah once once you got past that and they're they're down in the caves and stuff and everything's going on it's great oh yeah it's it's fantastic after that we got some android vision which looked all right apparently what was it the androids don't kill people that aren't or things that aren't human. They're yeah, they're basically programmed to target humans. Right. So the doctor being like, "Well, I'm not human. Let's yeah. see if this works." And it did. And it, it did. did work. Um and it did. I love it because yeah, the the android vision kind of looks like a like a FLIR camera. Yes. Yes, it you does. You know, all, all heat sensitive kind of stuff. Um there was at one point the one of the android's heads explodes and it's just like that classic um, it explodes cut to cardboard cut out of body burning. <laughs> right. Which was fun. Yes. Um, also, there's the- in, in fact, I think it, later on we get some nice slow motion explosions oh, that yes. might get reused one or two times, but it's just like, yeah. it's nice, slow. I'm like, okay. Also, there was a point where the, the doctor breaks his handcuffs, and I thought that was it, – it, it was a very practical visual effect, and I thought that mm-hmm. was super cool. Um, like, he breaks it on what is supposed to be, I assume, like a beam of light or oh, something. Oh, yes. It was very cool. I thought that, that looked pretty cool. But we really mm-hmm. need to talk about the president being pushed out the window. Oh, my gosh, yes. That... Now, was it, was it a window or was it an elevator shaft? Because oh. I thought it was an elevator shaft. It probably was an elevator shaft. Okay. I couldn't Because if it was a window, I mean, anyway, he got pushed out of this building. Yes. 
And my, what a fall that was. It, it was definitely the biggest fall, the fall, the biggest fall ever. Um, and it was quite hilarious. Oh my gosh. I, I, love I will it. say that it was, um, yeah, it was something. Uh, the green screen was in full effect. Um, and he was spinning all about and he died. Yes. Um, only other thing I have is the mud bursts, which I, I guess could be a couple of different things. We have the explosions outside in the rock quarry, what we, mm-hmm. we talked about a little earlier. Yep. And then we have uh, inside where um, where General Schleck dies. Um, I thought they both looked pretty cool. I mean, that yeah. seems like it, another practical slow motion effect that you can use. And like, Definitely. What, one of the nice practical effects that I liked is that over the course of the story, you, you could see like... <clears throat> I'm thinking of the doctor's hands in particular. You can see some, um, like skin irritation or some lesions starting. Yes, and you'd see that on on Perry's legs at yeah. some point. Um, exactly. Yeah, very. That was also very, very good. <sighs> um, we also we, we were talking about the beginning, and uh, you're right. We get off to a rocky start here. A little bit, and, and especially in the sound because there's just so much ADR. There's yes. So much. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, it's dialogue. Like, yeah. It's not one or two lines. It is. It is a whole conversation up until we get that sweet tracking shot, and then we're off to the races. Right. But uh, I wonder if anything happened. Maybe they lost some stuff. Maybe this is all they had. I don't know. Um, it could have been. I mean, you know, when you when you're when you're shooting something at distance like that obviously you can't stick a boom right mic in there um and maybe they were wired up uh with you know lapel mics or something and something happened or it was just like look go out there say the lines we're just gonna film you and we'll just have you guys adr it later yeah uh, i don't i don't know but i mean the, it, we did definitely start off rough but then right yeah. after that we're we were good. We were good to go. Um, oh yeah, get past those first three minutes, and yeah. you won't even notice it. Um, By the time you get through the whole story, it's like, oh yeah, there was that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have another any other sound notes. I did thoroughly enjoy the echoing in the rock quarry when um, when uh, I put Shotzi, which is not uh, that person's name. It is the name of a wrestler. So once again, <laughs> when Stotzi. Uh, he was shouting bite and it echoed. I, I really enjoyed that. That just, it was just a little, little thing that added to, uh, the scene, which was cool. Okay. Nice. Rock quarry for the set design. Our favorite rock quarry is always there for us. It never leaves. That's right. It is. It is the best. It stands the test of time. Um, we need to talk about, so when we first get into the caves of Adrazani, um, Perry fall seemingly falls down a shaft yes. or a, a hole or something. Yes, and you can quite literally see her bounce back into frame, which which must be the most um, entertaining misuse of a crash pad ever. Yes, she. I, it was hilarious. She falls and just bounces right back up. Yep. Um, it's very very funny. Obviously, a little a little blooper there. Good old Perry, always bouncing back. Doctor. Um, there we go. I I haven't, we haven't had John's impersonation of Perry yet tonight. I haven't I haven't done it once, except uh, no. for right now. Um, other than that, I mean, 
I thought the uh, Morgus's room looked pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that really stuck out to me. Um, no, I really don't have anything else. I mean, the, the fog in that cave in part four, when the android starts uh, shooting around, mm-hmm. looks real good. I really loved the, they like, they nailed the fog. That fog made the set look even better. I thought that was super cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, all the caves looked looked pretty cool. Well, I liked, I liked how most all the sets on Androzani Minor were very dark. I mean, not very dark, but were darker. Yes. And the sets on Androzani Major were fairly light in color. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed um, that. And that was a nice kind of helpful tip to remind us where we were, because we didn't really get, like, an establishing shot of, like, oh, yeah, now we're on, now we're on the small planet. Oh, now here's the big planet, and here's the scene, or anything like that. So having that is just a nice little visual addition. Yes, absolutely. Very, very cool. Um, I mean, ca- character-wise, the Doctor, you know, always always the Doctor. You can see in, in pretty... I think, if anything, in this episode, he, we can see that... And I say this pretty much every time we talk about... Um, Davidson is uh you can see you can see Tenet all the oh, yeah. t- all the time especially yeah. in the him going to crash the uh the spaceship or the ship into the into Adrazani. Yeah. He's just doing some good stuff there and it's just it's good. Not love it. Not quite not quite as manic as 10. There's no big red buttons that he wants to push, but Very true. You know, you you kind of see this this proto uh uh proto 10, this this inspiration definitely. Yes, and I will say uh Lauren does have one note that she posted on Twitter, uh watching mm. my first fifth doctor story and my perpetual truth remains. I love the doctor. She did enjoy the first two episodes that she that oh, she could watch. So um, I'm hoping she will finish them out. She's if if she's only there. for completism, and and I would just I would love to hear what she thinks because I know she hadn't seen it before. Yeah, but she 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 liked what she saw, so that was that's cool. Um, yeah, uh, I mean I love I love five. I love revisiting this. I I thought this was um, it was good stuff. And is this the first and only time we get the celery explanation? Uh, yes, I believe so. Which is just very funny that the only time it comes it comes up. And is explained in is in his last episode. Well, and let's be honest, for the whole reason may come down to like, um, so it's Peter's last episode, and we never talked about the celery, did we? Yeah, oh, yeah, we didn't. Hey, let's make a part of the story, okay? Yeah, I mean that could that could literally be it. Been as simple as that. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, whatever. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of notes about Perry. I only have. Is this wise? I ask myself. I thought their banter at the beginning, be it dubbed, was was very fun. Um, I don't know. I just like Perry in this. I thought she was she was great. Besides, you know, being dead most of the the time. Yeah, I mean, we 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 do. She does slip back into her actual accent for one word. She pronounces glass gloss. Oh, really? She does. Oh, that's yeah, so but yeah, I mean, unfortunately for for the vast majority of the story, much that we love Perry, um, she spends it either captured or looking sick or just plain old out of action. Yeah, um, which 
which is unfortunate. I like seeing our companions up and about and also trying to save the day. But at the same time, we couldn't really have the doctor's sacrifice feeling quite as impactful if Perry was up and running around. Yeah. That's... Most of the time. So unfortunately, we do get her kind of in this um, stationary role, for lack of a better term. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't have to deal with um, one hell of a creeper. Oh, goodness. And there, there we get to share as Jack um, the absolute state of this man. Yes, right? Goodness gracious. Um, he loves androids. He loves Perry. Um, he loves Perry almost immediately. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah, uh, he is kind of, sort of, the Phantom of the Opera and also the Toxic Avenger. I'm not really <laughs> sure how, but he is. Um, yep, also, you're not wrong. Also, uh, he he's very much a creeper. Um, yeah, just, like, the whole just creepy shoulder touch that he gets oh, going yeah. on with Perry. And it's just like, you can just see her revulsion. Yes. And it gets to the point where when the doctor, the doctor touches her on the shoulder, she freaks out, mm-hmm. which is just like, Oh yeah. No, good. yeah. This, this is not, you know, Hey, come on. Yeah. This is 2019 looking back at 1984. Come on people. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's, it's, it's something. I'll just let everybody know that Lauren walked in the room and scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I did not. I did not see. I did not see her. But um, yeah, Shara's Jack is. Uh, he's something. It's so weird because like I really enjoy um the parts where he's not being a total and complete creep. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think he's a very good actor. Um, I mean you got to be if you're going to be wearing a a full leather bodysuit and the mask that bit only really shows your eyes and mouth. Yeah, he must have looked really awkward in lunch line. Oh my goodness. Where's Can that? you imagine? Where's that backstage picture? Right? I need to see that immediately. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought a good would we classify him as as the villain? Um, he's kind of a gray area, I would I would say. A little bit. I mean, I kind of would because, I mean, really, he is kind of, you know, he, if nothing else, he's manipulating Perry. Yes. Um, he, he is kind of trying to claim her as his own. Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, but that's not to say that our mercenaries aren't villains on some level. It's not to say that the, the uh, folks on Andrew, Androzani Major aren't villainous yeah in some ways kind of feels like everyone was a little bit of a villain in this yeah except our and you know, doctor and companion well i was just about to say like let's let's not forget you know the doctor i think might bear some responsibility and oh yes, yes at least in what he caused because yes. yeah had he just been like eh, let's go to this other place yeah i mean maybe also <sighs> maybe um the president he i mean he kind of seemed a little corrupt, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too bad. Not compared to everybody else. Right, right, right. There's just a lot of... Uh, shades of gray. Shades of gray. And uh, funny enough, I mean, that's what black and white make. This is true. Hey, there you go. This is true. Uh, Morgus was a complete garbage human. Um, yes. He just wants everybody, like, who are these people? Uh, shoot them. And nobody likes him. Like, even the president doesn't have time for his nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to, like, you know, 
be friends with him, but he's like, I don't got time for this. Uh, he literally tries to kill everyone, I think, in this <laughs> in this episode. Pretty much. Um, he does end up getting double-crossed in the end, and then I believe he just ends up getting choked to death. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think so. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, what, what was the... Okay, so when he was talking to the video wall at one point, what was with him, like, constantly breaking the fourth wall? Thank you. Wasn't thank that you, thank so you, thank strange? You, thank you. Yes, I totally have this in my in my in my miscellaneous notes. But yes, he totally does, and it is. It's very Shakespearean. There, yeah. There's there's this Shakespearean esque thing where you know an actor will be having a dialogue or something, and will step off stage to basically, you know, uh, 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 give us their inner monologue. Yes, give us their inner thoughts, and I'm like, what the flip is going on here? I'm like, why is he looking at the camera. Yeah, it was so to weird. To do this. It was so strange. It was such a weird choice. But it also, was, like, was that... But, you know, it wasn't like he was... There was a camera right there. There was a camera right there. So, I mean, if you if you imagine yourself in the story, right? It's all real. There's no cameras. Whatever. You know, if you're the guy on the video call, and and, and I'm, you know, like you... Let's, let's just say you and I are on a video call, and, and we're talking, and then you suddenly step step back from the camera and turn around and say something. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to be like, what the flip is going on? What John? Who are you say? talking to? Are there ghosts in your house? Yeah. It was, it was a very weird choice, <clears throat> especially since, um, he, he, I believe he starts doing this like in, in the third episode. Yes. Like yeah, it is. Is, it's, 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 it's not established three. until the third episode. It's just very weird. It is incredibly weird. Um, Salatine, I only have, I, I have a note that says, he don't care about nothing. Um, and then this laugh that he has is just, oh, what is happening there? Yeah, That's... he, he. when I first see him, there is something about his look where I'm like, this guy could be very easily radicalized. Oh, yes. Like, he could very easily be this, like, you know... Uh, I'm going to toe the line and be super strict and, you know, we will crush the enemy through our strength kind of thing. Now, I don't know what about him says that to me. Yeah. Um, but there's just something about the way that he carries himself that makes me think that. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at a picture of him right now and I'm like, yeah. I mean, maybe he kind of looks like, uh, what's his name? Timothy McVeigh, who blew up the Oklahoma... Oh, I, um, I just I feel like like that was my one. Of, that was one thought I had. I'm like, oh, I I'm, feel like this guy looks I'm, like McVeigh, but maybe not. Oh, and, no, you uh, I am mean, I right? He looks the, he looks very similar to him. OK, his nose. Maybe is that's what the it is. Same, but interesting. Some some subconscious subliminal kind of connection I'm making. Ooh, yikes. Anyway, there was there was one part where like. I think the real Salatine is like trying to rouse Perry in an attempt to save her. And she starts to freak out and he goes to like cover her mouth to keep her quiet. But like, if I don't even know what was going on, but it literally looks like he tries to pinch her nose first to keep her quiet and then corrects and like covers her mouth. And I'm like, what, what were you just trying to do? Ugh. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. It's very strange. It, it 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 was weird. I my my only thought is that it just was an actor's fumble. Yes, absolutely. It's it's like it's like the brain went no, do this, and it was like wait, no, 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 
cover her mouth. <laughs> Why would you pinch her nose? So strange. Yeah. I will say, um, I don't have any notes for Stotsy really. Um, he just murders his friends at the end, and he's just in it for the money. He just seems to go like, wherever I'm going to get paid, I'm good, which is what a mercenary basically does. Pretty much. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else. I do have, for the president, I have a great note from Lauren, um, mm. which I actually did this, and I went, oh, it, he does sound like him. If you close your eyes, and you know the actor Matt Barry, yes? Uh, yes. He sounds exactly like him. It is uncanny. Oh, he sounds really just like Stephen Toast. It's very strange, but also very cool. Huh. I, I will have to go back and try that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's very very interesting. I will also say we were talking about Shades of Grey, and uh, General Sh- uh, Shellac definitely mm-hmm. was a shade of grey. At first, it was like, oh, this guy's a he's just wants to murder everybody. Yeah. Um, and then like he, he suddenly it's, I will say his switch when he goes, I'm starting to believe you doctor is, is just very like sudden, mm-hmm. but I mean, after that, he seems like an, he seems like an all right guy. Yeah. He does seem to kind of come around and you know, his perspective on what's going on changes. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't ultimately do him any good, but well, yeah, you know, for the first time, Taylor, I don't have any miscellaneous notes. Oh, I've gone through mine, but but I I do have a question mm-hmm. uh, in mind. Who would win, the androids of Tara or Jex droids? Oh no, this is this is a hard question. I just want to in my mind the androids of Tara or Jex droids. Um, I feel like Jex droids didn't really malfunction as much as yes as the the androids of tara um i would agree with that so i i think i would go with that hey remember that random monkey demon thing that was in that was in the androids of tara and it just disappeared and we never saw it again yep that was just so strange um <laughs> but yeah i think i would have to go with jex droids they were also i believe armed heavily yes because i i think at best any of the androids of tara might have had like a laser sword yes yes Oh, the laser sword. Mm. Remember the laser swords? I do now. I do now. Um, I think there's only there's just one one thing left to do here, and it's um, the behind the couch scale. Taylor, what do you think? Well, you know, it, the story is not particularly scary. Yeah. So I'm I'm not too worried about that. I mean, I don't even think that. I honestly, the kids would be like, "Wow, that that jet guy looks weird." And then even when they saw his face, they'd be like, "Oh." They're all freaking out over that. Yeah. You know, um, but but the uh, the story, the whole story is really violent. Not gory. Yeah. You know, just, just really violent. A lot of shooting everywhere. So I would put this one kind of like, eh, when they're older. Yeah. And <sighs> um, I know, I think I also read that this, besides when when Blink uh, dethroned it in the, in the reader's poll, it was mm-hmm. the... Rated the best Doctor Who serial of all time. Um, would you would you put this in your top ten? If I'm putting um, you on the spot right now, are we, are we talking all of Doctor Who? Shh. Are we going we to do both. limit it to classic? We can um, do classic, and then we can do uh, we can do all. I feel I feel like there are so many episodes that I would throw on a top ten list just be just because they're kind of crazy and bonkers. But that's just how I roll, right? Um, 
you know, I'm very entertained by those. I mean, I would, I, yeah, I would definitely probably put this in a top 10. I mean, it, it, it is a very solid story. Um, I, I think it really well illustrates, um, the doctor's character when there's that choice of self-sacrifice in order yeah. to save the companion. Um, I think this is maybe one of those stories that really, really solidifies that as part of the doctor's character. Um, and while, yeah, I definitely feel like there are some other stories where maybe like the ancillary characters are more engaging, written a little bit tighter. Um, this is a really, really good episode. Um, at least in terms, if nothing else, I should say in terms of other than the fact that, um, there are so many kind of connections to other bits of literature and culture that the average viewer will be familiar with, whether that be Shakespeare or Phantom of the Opera or just what. So even a casual viewer who has familiarity with those other things could come to this and make a connection. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know what? We we're not done because we didn't even talk about the end of this episode. Oh, Oh yes, of course. What am I thinking? The, the, the regeneration. We completely forgot the regeneration (laughs) scene. Um, very, uh, I will say I did find it very funny that when, the doctor retrieves the bat milk and goes into that room and everyone's just been shot or is dying. He's just like, well, goodbye, everybody, and takes Perry and runs away. Pretty much. But I mean, like, you know, he's dying as well, so he's trying to, you know, figure that out. Um, This is a, uh, it feels different this time. Yeah. Um, We get a very crazy dream sequence of past companions, including Adric, which is his last words. And and all kind of swirling around him as though he had been bonked on the head by a giant mallet. And these were all little birds. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. And um, I love that it just ends with the master just telling him to die yeah. a million times. I think that that's a perfect uh, it's a perfect way to regenerate is with your arch nemesis screaming at you to die. Pretty much. And then up pops... Colin Baker. Colin Baker, change my dear, and seems not a moment too soon. I I have to admit that despite the arrogance of six, that might possibly be one of the best final lines of an episode. It is. It's great, and it's just like I love the close up on his face, and yep. after he says it, it cuts to um, his face in the closing credits. Right, right. Which yep. I think is very cool. Um, and Memers also Hi, thinks Memers. it's amazing. Yes, Memer's actually a big fan of Colin Baker. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I think we, we became bigger fans of Colin Baker watching the the uh, season that everyone hates, <laughs> which is hilarious yes. because it's just like, uh, that wasn't that bad, everyone. It was actually a lot of fun. It was. Um, anyway, yes, uh, the ending was, was very interesting. It, it, I guess if you really think about it, we get a snap. He snaps up pretty quick, kind of like... Um, uh, Matt Smith into into uh, Peter Capaldi. Yeah, he's just like boom up, and he's a different person. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, I mean, I I like. I mean, I would recommend this to to people who haven't even seen any other um, classic. Who I think it's a good. I mean, you kind of get it. At least you don't really get like if you've never seen it before, and you're like, well, what's happening at the end here? Mm-hmm. But besides that, I feel you know it's pretty good. It's great. Yeah, definitely. All right. Definitely. Well, geez, man, we did it. 
We have all the pieces. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me get this one out of my pocket. There. Now we have all five pieces. Awesome. Let's get number four converted. Cool. All right. Let me get them all fit together. And was was something supposed to happen? Uh, well, uh, I I assume so. Is there is there a button on it? Like like do we have to turn it on? Maybe maybe it didn't clip them together well enough. Whoa! Uh, whoa. Oh crap! We're gonna need lots of glue. <sighs> it's a living. All right, everyone. Next time. Now that we are done collecting all all of the the, the episodes that have been missing, we are going and, to. And now uh, that I can stop doing all this extra editing. Oh yes, which we appreciate here. At it's Podcast. it's don't get me wrong. It's been fun. Yes, Podcastica typically is a really quick edit for me. And... Oh, I mean, it, as it should be, <laughs> as it should be. So next time we are going to be watching Hyde. It is starring Matt Smith as the doctor. And we have, sorry, wow, I did not have the, the screen up here. We have uh, Jen, Jenna Coleman as Clara. And it was uh, written by Neil Cross, directed by Jamie Payne. Um, pretty excited. I haven't watched a good Matt Smith episode in a while, as we know he is. Yeah, making. it's been a while. And, I, and I, thought, I thought that getting into October, getting into the spooky season... Why oh, not yeah. do one that's got some ghost investigating in uh, it? Well, well, um, that is good to know because when I uh, when when we get to the next episode, it will be another spooky episode. Indeed, I think that's that's good stuff. So um, that's it for us this time. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search the Podcastica. You can follow me on Twitter at JP Thrice, and you can follow Taylor on Twitter. At Blue Box UFO. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also Spotify. Just search Podcastica. Rate and review us as well. Also, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. Uh, if you would like a Podcastica shirt, well, you should probably go to notlg.spreadshirt.com. You can buy all of our shirts there. We have the, a various number of shirts. There's mugs. There's tote bags. Um, we're not there yet, but there's sweatshirts, so we're getting there though. Hopefully, I don't know. Slowly but surely, global warming or something. Yeah. Um, if you would like to uh, help us out monetarily, Patreon.com/slash/notlg. Uh, if you know anything helps this little train keep it moving right along, and we appreciate it as always. And uh, the Y axes, who I think are actually going to be in Hollywood. At some point, maybe I'll go check them out. I think in the next month they're going to be here. Um, awesome. Yeah, they uh, they let us use their music uh, for absolutely free. They support us, so let us support them. Twitter.com slash the Y-axis. Facebook.com slash the Y-axis. The Y-axis.bandcamp.com. They, like us, are also on Spotify. So join us again in two weeks' time when we uh, tackle Hyde, and we will talk to you guys then. See ya. See ya. Boop, boop, episode, episode.
episode. All right.